So we just finished this series last week on the fruit of the Spirit. How do we live in a way that shows that God is at work within us? Because really that's what the fruit of the Spirit do. Uh, they are characteristics that go above and beyond what we're able to do on our own. And it shows the world around us that God is within us, that God is working in us. One of those is goodness. And I talked about how really that's the Godness that is within us, that it isn't us at all. And at noon today, we are going to give you an opportunity to be baptized. We asked people at first service if they'd be willing to come back. Why? Because being baptized is a statement of our obedience to Jesus and our belief in Him. And, and we celebrate that. That's why we're having this big party and celebration, because we know in heaven there is a celebration that's going to be happening. We should do our best to celebrate here on earth. Because what happens is when those folks go into the water... Their old self dies, the Bible says, and they come out a new creation. And what we talked about in the fruit of the Spirit is that the Holy Spirit begins to dwell in us. We begin to have the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit live in us, and we begin to show signs of fruit of the Spirit. And so uh, that also means something else. It means that that age-old war that's been going on since, since creation, since Adam and Eve occupied the garden, that age-old enemy of God, the devil, is going to continue his rebellion. And when we give our lives to Jesus, suddenly he starts to pay attention to us in a new and a different way. And yet God gives us his Holy Spirit as our helper. So Satan would have us fear him, but rather than being afraid, we want to be equipped and we want to be prepared to live the life that God has called us to live. We can't do it on our own. That's why the Holy Spirit gives us fruit of the Spirit. That's why today we're going to begin a series on the whole armor of God. It's an intentional follow-up to the series that we did on the fruit of the Spirit. We're doing this, and there's three of them that we're going to be working our way through for a very, very intentional reason. So if you've got your Bible, if you'd open to Ephesians 6, chapter 10, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, we've got some in the Welcome Center. We'd love to give you a Bible now. Send it home with you. We think everybody should have one of those. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. That's the introduction to the armor of God. And then it goes through pieces of the armor, and starting next week, we're going to go through each one of those individually. But then you might ask, why? Why is this important? I don't know that I really even care about it. Well, let me ask you this. If you knew someone or something was hiding in a corner, say you're walking down a street, it's late at night, the lights aren't the best, maybe it's not the best part of a town you're not familiar with, but somehow, in some way, you know that there is someone just ahead around the corner that has the intention of harming you or someone that you're with. They're going to attack you. Would you just keep doing what you're doing? Would you just keep walking down the street knowing you're not sure when it's going to happen or exactly where it's going to happen from, but you know it's going to happen? You know that this person who is there with the sole intention of harming you is just waiting to pounce. Well, no, of course you wouldn't. You'd do something different. You'd take action. 
You'd go a different direction or you'd get on your phone and call somebody. Somehow you would do something more than just hope that maybe somehow in some way this guy's going to get distracted and he'll go after someone else. No, you would do something very intentionally. In fact, you'd do whatever you could to prepare and protect yourself and your loved ones. If you were in a situation like that, you would be willing to take drastic measures to do what needed to be done to prevent harm. Why? Because human lives are worth protecting. So are minds and hearts and souls. But when we look at the Bible and we look at the Bible and say, well, that's kind of drastic. That seems kind of dramatic. When we talk about the Bible in drastic terms, all too often people just brush it off in the hopes that nothing bad will happen to them. Even though the Bible tells us over and over and over that the enemy, Satan, the devil, is out there. Things are going to happen. He is paying attention. He knows who you are and where you are. And yet it, it, it's so easy to say, well, you know what, I'm not really going to pay attention. Maybe nothing bad will happen to me. Dater and I and the girls lived in Florida for a number of years. And it always got interesting. This time of year through about October, uh, the weather people loved summertime and early fall because it was hurricane season. And that was when they made their money. And I'll tell you, those hurricane warnings, uh, when, the, when there was a watch, it's all you heard about it. When it turned to a warning, which means there was a hurricane that was going to hit, things got really serious. And they have this thing called a cone of destruction. And, and it starts out where the hurricane is and it gets wider. And before you know it, it covers half the country. But when it gets down to the, the two or three days before that hurricane's going to hit and you're still in that cone, you know that danger's on the way. And we hadn't lived through one before the first one, but then we knew what we were up against with the rest of them. And the fact of the matter is, like in my opening example, you start to do things different. One of the things is, if you've got a house and you've got to put shutters on, you do whatever you can to get shutters on all the windows and all the doors. And then you take everything that's outside that can possibly move inside, and you move it inside. You put the cars in the garage. You do everything that you possibly can. And then you go to the gas station and you fill up gas cans for the generator and you fill up the vehicles. You go to the grocery store and you buy food and water as long as it's there, but they always run out just like the gas stations run out of gas. If you're unfortunate enough not to have shutters and you need to rely on plywood, Home Depot, Lowe's, everybody sells out of that stuff almost immediately. Because people realize that danger is just around the corner and they do something to avoid it. See, the, the whole point of all of the preparations is you keep the bad outside your house. You don't want the bad to come inside. Unfortunately, too many of us as Christians, we don't take the storm of evil that surrounds us every day seriously enough to do anything about it. We read that it's there. We experience it. You live it. I don't have to tell you the evil is out there. You know that it is. You've experienced it. You've seen it. You just hope it stays away from you and your family. Rather than protecting ourselves and others to keep the evil out, too many of us leave our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts open to the evil that will work its way in. See, if, if you have to shutter up your house for a hurricane... And hurricanes are strange things because you think the weather just comes from one direction. That wind is everywhere. They're absolutely chaotic and they go on for hours. Say you get your whole house buttoned up and everything's covered, but one small window in the bathroom. Guess where that hurricane wind is going to come through? It is going to find a way to send something into that glass and suddenly your whole house is open to the storm. 
And when we don't take precautions and we leave ourselves open to the enemy, you had better believe that he's going to find a way in. And we always are the ones who give him the way in. He can't create it. He can make things look good that we would call temptation, but he can't make us choose to be tempted. We're the ones that leave the openings for him. And when you look at your Bible at Ephesians 6, if you go back in chapters 4 and 5, it's interesting. Chapter 6 is where the armor of God is. But in 4 and 5, Paul covers a number of different topics that tell us how to help us live life as a Christian. Some of it's just common sense. Some of it is really working out what Jesus taught us. How to live as a Christian. He talks about new life as a believer. What does that look like? about walking in love as a Christian, that as a Christian, we should love people and care about people differently than other people do. Paul talks about husbands and wives and how they are to relate to each other. He has instructions for children to obey their parents, servants and masters, employees and employers. How is it that we live as believers wearing all of these different hats in the world? And it kind of makes you wonder if Paul isn't up to something. Because the thing that follows all of that is the armor of God. And and I have to believe that what he's really getting at is if you choose to do this, trouble's coming. So he gives us the armor of God. If we actually start living the way the Bible tells us to, if we really and fully follow Scripture, we're going to need some help. And the only help that's going to matter is help that comes from heaven. See, the fact is that any time a man or a woman or a child submits their life to Jesus and begins to live for God, Satan begins to attack that new believer mentally and spiritually, physically. See, Satan doesn't want you to live for Jesus. He doesn't want you to live in the fruit of the Spirit. Satan doesn't want you to be kind to people. He'd rather you were nice, which isn't really being very nice at all. Satan would rather we didn't live for Jesus, but that we lived for ourselves. He doesn't want you to love like Jesus or be married in a healthy, God-honoring way. Satan doesn't want kids to love and honor and respect their parents in a godly way. Satan doesn't want us to get along. Satan doesn't want churches or communities to get along. So he does whatever he can to poison people to cause that to happen. If you want to talk about the spiritual forces of evil at work, Uh, If you've been around New London very much in the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of noise about a couple of shows that happened at the Little Theater yesterday. And it makes me wonder about a community that uses grant money to invite a grown man to be paid and sit in front of children and invite them into what could really only be considered ungodly behavior and thinking and to call it normal. I have to wonder what's at work there, but I know what's at work. It isn't that guy. It's, It's the spiritual force of evil behind all of that thinking. See, you're watching the spiritual forces of evil at work right here in our communities, capturing the minds of our children, but also the adults that are supposed to be protecting them. See, it's about the enemy. It's not about the people. I pray for the people. But man, I got angry at Satan. But Satan, he didn't stop there because he never does. What's actually been going on since is that Satan has been using this as an opportunity to divide divide Christian against Christian and church against church and pastor against pastor. Because for him, all of that's normal. But it really isn't. It really isn't at all. And so in all of this dividing and all of this trying to separate us, I realize that's why we invest so much of our resources into our Wednesday night kids' ministry. Our youth ministry takes a tremendous amount of effort 
and income to be able to carry out by incredibly faithful adult leaders. And the difference is that young people are coming and they're being a part of it. And you know what? They're taught truth. They're taught God's eternal truth. The real truth, not the ever-changing, soul-destroying garbage that our world teaches them as truth. And if the fact was going to be said, I'm not even disappointed into the man that, in the man that they hired to come and do all of this in New London. I'm disappointed in the adults. I'm disappointed in the city and community leaders. Whatever it was, it wasn't art. But I can't imagine what they were thinking, but I can only imagine the results and the cost that has yet to be paid. But if you're upset about what's been happening, and I've had some people come to me that are upset that I haven't done enough. If you're upset about what's been happening in our community, have you shared what you believe in Jesus and why you believe in Jesus with anybody? Or does the enemy just have you all tied up in knots over what you don't believe in or what you don't support, and who is it that doesn't agree with you? See, if the enemy can divide us in any way at all, even using something that most of us don't agree with, he wins. Now, I recognize that the community of New London has a constitution that said this thing was okay. I realize that the Constitution of the United States says that free speech is something that is given to everyone. We exercise it every Sunday here. But that doesn't mean I have to agree with it. But you know what? I'm not about to fight anybody over it. We go from standing for Jesus to standing against each other, and that's what's been happening. And the bride of Christ, which is all of us, is weakened. By us. And that's what Satan wants to do. And it's all to me a very good reminder that when we begin to do the things that God's called us to do, Satan begins to chip away. Starts out small, but begins to chip away at our faith and our confidence and our reputation and our health and our minds and our purpose and our place. Because if he can get you to doubt yourself, he can get you to look to him. He can feed you information that is completely away from God's will for you that might feel good or sound good or seem right. And all of that is to get us to stop focusing on God. He uses the world, the people and the things of this world to do his work. But we're the ones, like the folks that don't shut other houses for a hurricane, we're the ones that leave the opening for him to get a hold of us. But we can fight back. See, we can live for Jesus knowing he's already given his life for us, and it's not like we're out here without any help. After our second service, I will invite all of you like I did at the first service, if today is your day to step out in obedience to Jesus and to be baptized, we got a shirt just like this that we're going to give you. Because in this whole world full of all kinds of stuff that's optional, and the things that happened yesterday, those were optional. Jesus is essential. And that's the message that we in the Christian church have to make sure that we continue to preach. Because Satan, he'll be always be at work. Unfortunately, we as believers are not always at work for Jesus. See, the result is that in, in the spiritual realm, when you step forward and you're baptized, when you, when you decide to tell people at work or at school that you believe in Jesus and that you go to church and that you're trying to grow in your faith, Satan becomes aware. And what ends up happening is we get a target put on us. There is a target in the spiritual realm that we end up having right on our chest. But, you know, it's more than that, and the armor of God helps us understand that. The target is on our head, on our minds, on our hearts. It's on anything and everything that Satan might be able to steer us away from God, to separate us from God. So Paul writes about the armor of God. And that's what we're going to study. 
The full armor of God is nothing less than God's divine plan of protection for us when we live in this world full of sin and evil. You don't have to go very far or watch very much to realize that the world is a brutal place. It is full of sin and it is full of evil. And as a believer in Jesus, you have a target on you. But you're not left alone. So we're in the midst of this very intentionally structured and godly appointed, because it's all in Scripture, this divine trilogy straight out of God's Word. We began with the fruit of the Spirit. How is it that we live and show the signs in our character that God is at work in us, that that God has equipped us to live in the world? And now we're going to look at the armor of God. How it is that God has prepared and protects and equips us to live in this world, to engage in this spiritual battle that's around us all the time. And then after the armor of God is over, we're going to look at the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And we're going to look at the possible results of what happens when we get these things right and when we get them wrong. Because God's Word covers that for us as well. See, the armor of God, it's there for us to study. Paul wrote it down in Ephesians 6. It's for us to understand and it's for us to make sure that spiritually we put on every single day. In fact, when we really understand what Paul's talking about with the armor, which you will a few weeks down the road, I can't imagine how any Christian, how any believer would ever want to walk into a day in the world that we live in not putting the armor of God on. Why would we attempt to live a single day without God's protection? My hope is that by the time we're done, thinking about putting on the armor of God every morning will be as as regular and consistent and commonplace to you as much a part of your morning routine as putting on a pair of shoes. Of course you're going to put the armor of God on before you leave. I said earlier this is a second of a three-part trilogy, and we'll wrap it up just before Christmas. Fruit of the Spirit, we learn that as followers of Jesus, we all have the Holy Spirit in us. It isn't like we have to go out and ask and beg God. God gives us the Holy Spirit when we give our life to Jesus. And we talked about last week how that Spirit is a Spirit of power and strength given to us from God, which means it isn't our power, it isn't our strength, it's God's power and strength in us. As we live in the fruit of the Spirit, here's what's going to happen, folks. As you start exhibiting the character of God in the world that you live in, you are going to rock the world's boat. You are going to create waves. You are going to draw attention to you because you are standing for the kingdom of God. And the devil, he's going to start paying attention. And that target is going to start looking good to him. And and Satan, he'd want us to retreat in fear. But what God wants us to do is to move forward in faith. It isn't like we're on our own. It isn't like we can't help it. it. It isn't like that person who gives you a hard time at work has to win every conversation. No, that's not what God would have for you at all. The Bible says God will give you the words. The Holy Spirit will give you the words when you need them. You just have to be ready. You have to ask for God's help, just like we have to be willing to put on the armor of God. It becomes so important for us. There's just no other way that we can stand against the devil, much less prevail against his schemes, apart from God. We can't do it on our own. You can't study the Bible well enough to do it without God. You can't live as such a good person that you can do it without God. So let's jump into the introduction of this passage because that's all we're going to be able to cover today. And then every week from here on, we're going to cover one piece of armor. And this guy is going to go from having the target to starting to wear the armor. Starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Do you hear that? Be strong and in His strength. 
The strength is the spirit of strength that we've been given, not because of our own power, not because of our intelligence or our will or our might or how well we know the Bible or how good a person people think we are. Our strength comes from God. And when we realize that our strength comes from above, we can and should be strong in the Lord because we realize that against the temptations of the devil, we don't have much strength at all. That's where prayer becomes so important. If you don't have a daily relationship with God, and if you don't engage that relationship in a conversation, in prayer every day, you head out into the world all on your own. He starts out in verse 11 then, put on the whole armor of God. This statement is interesting the way that it's written in the original language. It isn't a suggestion. It isn't an idea. It isn't a, hey, try this. It's an assumed command. The armor of God is military gear. And this is a command given as though it's a general given to his troops. You will put on the whole armor of God. Not as a suggestion. It's as an understanding. Because this is a life or death battle dress directive from God. As far as surviving in the world, it's a life or death thing. So why should we do it? Paul says, so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Interesting phrase. From the beginning, go back all the way to Genesis. From the beginning, Satan has always resorted to schemes. To underhanded tactics of battle. Because the war has already been lost, and he knew that. Underhanded tactics and schemes. What the devil is fighting for now, you've got to understand this, the devil is not fighting over an ultimate victory over God. That that war has been won. That, That war is over. The devil knows not to fight that battle anymore. It's too late for that fight. It was won and finished on the cross and in the empty grave. And Satan knows it. He doesn't expect to be able to beat God. He is focused completely, entirely, and only on winning your soul. And he does that by going after your heart and your mind, your attention, your affection. He goes after that by getting you to divide you from one believer and another, one church against the other. The devil isn't concerned about beating God because he knows that war has been lost. God won it. book of Revelation talks about it. We know Jesus is coming again. But the battle for your heart and your soul and your mind and for the heart and soul and the mind of our children, that's what he's fighting for. See, the devil wants to steal your heart from its creator. And to do that, he can't fight fair because your heart was created and given to you by God. It's God's. But you get to do with it what you choose. And so because he can't fight fair, he plots and he plans and he schemes against you. 1 Peter 5 eight says we should be alert and of sober mind. See, the enemy is always lying, just like I used that example at the beginning. If you knew that someone wanted to do you harm and they were just ahead around a corner, but you didn't know when they were going to jump, That's the devil. He is always lying in wait. The Bible says so because he's always lying. He's the father of lies. If you expect a fair fight, guess again. That's not what you're involved in. Temptation is literally a deadly business, and it's what the devil is a master at packaging and presenting before you. The devil has had thousands of years to get it right. Wherever you're vulnerable, wherever you leave an opening, Wherever you have a a habit that you shouldn't have, an ungodly interest, a desire, that's where the devil will focus. He'll focus on whatever the weak spot is that you're not paying attention to. He'll focus on whatever the sin or the habit that you have that, that you know you shouldn't, but you're not ready to give over to God, yet that's where Satan will come and get you. Maybe it's pride in your appearance. It might be 
an attraction to a particular type of person. It might be a, a lustful desire for design or clothes or how you look or a type of car or a new home or a, a cabin or a boat or a snowmobile or a jet ski or an ice castle or adding money to your portfolio. And sometimes we're willing to go after those things so hard we don't care who we have to hurt to do it. We'll step on somebody's head in a friendship if we have to because the devil doesn't care. He just convinces you that you deserve it. You should have it. You've earned it. And when we believe that, we start living for what the devil wants for us, not what God wants for us. Anything that will take your attention and your affection away from God, that's his game. And the game is a life or death one. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Your struggle feels like it's against other people. It's other people that are talking to you. It's other people that are making your life different, difficult. It's other people who are challenging you. It's other people who are trying to make you feel stupid for believing what you believe or doing what you do or saying no when you say no. They want you to say yes because then you'll be just like them. It feels like it's other people, but it's not. The battle is a spiritual battle. It's fought in the spiritual realm on a spiritual battlefield against a spiritually diabolical evil enemy. Make no mistake, it is not a normal war. It is not a battle that's fought on earth. To fight that battle, we need supernatural, spiritual help from God. You can't do it on your own. And that help is God's Holy Spirit. It's the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's God's Word, and it's the armor of God. And to not take the opportunity to engage all of those things is just simply foolish. So buckle up, because what Paul says is your battle is against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus and you're living for him, then you are an ambassador of your real home, which is heaven, while you're here on earth. You're an ambassador. You're an example for who God is and who God is in you. But your home is also an outpost of heaven, just like our sanctuary is. It's not heaven. It's not even close. But it is a stronghold of the heavenlies because you have invited, like we have invited, God to dwell among you in your household. That's a huge thing. It is an awesome, awesome privilege. But we also know that we're not going to survive, much less win this spiritual battle on our own. Don't despair. Paul goes on in verse 13 and he says this. Therefore, he's assuming we accept everything that he said is true. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. What do we do? We stand. We will stand on this evil day. What's the evil day? The evil day is the day that you're living in. The evil day is the day that Satan is at work against you. The evil day is when you're having to say no to temptation. The evil day is when you're fighting non-godly thoughts. The evil day is when you're struggling with an addiction. The evil day is when you are being compelled and you just feel like you can't even say no to do something you know you shouldn't do. That's the evil day. And it's everyone that we face while we're here on earth. And Paul ends this section with the same words that he began. Because he wants to make sure we hear him. Our part here is really only twofold. The first thing we do is we take up the whole armor of God. We take Paul seriously. We take this battle seriously. And we take up the whole armor of God. And then having lived in faith, he says, we stand firm. And he uses the word stand, stand, stand. We stand firm. Notice it doesn't say that we win. 
It doesn't say that we run. It doesn't say that we focus on a better battle plan. We don't complain, but we stand firm and we fight through God's Word. So often we want to do it ourselves, and that's what gets us into trouble. I can do it. I can kick it. I can handle it. So each week going forward, we're going to look at one piece of armor as we go through this series. This guy is going to change clothes next week, and he's going to put on more uh, first century Roman military clothes. Uh, the target will go off, but that comment is going to come back over and over. And so we were talking in the office this week. Uh, we have to name him since he's going to be here for a number of weeks. So all kinds of names came out. And I owe my father a dollar. I may owe him for two for this because this is a dad joke if ever there was one. And I said, I got the name. He's my man, Quinn. We'll call him Quinn. My man, Quinn. Thank you, someone. Wow. I try so hard. <laughs> You're all just getting it now. That's what's funny. I should be laughing at you. As we add a piece to the armor, we're going to dive in depth and understand how God's plan, God's divine plan, Protect, to protect you and I from the evil schemes and the evil plans of Satan and the people that he launches against to attack us, how it is that we can defeat that. And as we look at it and as we get into it, it's absolutely fascinating the things that don't even seem obvious to us that people in the first century would have understood without even having to think twice. And so I'm going to do my very best to help you completely understand what this armor does, what it means, and what it can do for you. Please don't miss any of the messages. If you can't be here on a Sunday, catch them online. Because it's important that we understand the whole armor of God, the full armor of God, not just a piece or two. This is probably more important for your spiritual well-being than just about anything you can invest your time in over the next five weeks. This is probably the most important investment you can make in yourself. And by the time that we're done, you're going to have a really good understanding of God's protection plan for you and for those you love. You talk about being a new creation in Christ, and the full armor of God along with the fruit of the Spirit is how we are equipped to live as that new creation. So I'm going to go back again and make that invitation one more time, talking about being a new creation. If today is the day that God's putting on your heart, it's time for you to take your faith seriously. It's time for you to take the next step to stop living for yourself and to start living for God. To not just call Jesus your Savior, because that's easy, but to say, Jesus, I'm ready to make you the Lord of my life. I'm willing to start living for you. Fruit of the Spirit, armor of God, Holy Spirit in me, I'm ready. If today's your day, please come out. The rest of you stick around, but if today's your day to be baptized, please do the thing that isn't easy, because Satan wants to give you a million reasons why another day is your better day. If God's telling you that today is your day, please step out in obedience and do that so that we can celebrate the new creation that God makes in you. Let's pray. God, thank you for Paul's description of the armor of God. We live in a crazy world. Uh, we think that we're immune to so much of it because we live out here in west central Minnesota, the good land of rocks and cows, but the land of good people who are chasing after you, the land of people who are doing our very best to understand what it is to be Christians, what it is to live as people of faith. And God, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your Holy Spirit in us. We need you at work within us. We need your armor on us in order to be able to face this world. And then, God, we need to remember, and, and the recent events in our community really are such a reminder, our battle isn't against other people. They're people who are trying to do what they believe is right. And, God, we may not agree with them, but we don't have to fight them. We don't have to call them names. We don't have to engage them in ways that we never see Jesus engaging people. God, we can pray for them. We can be an example of who you are to us. We can be an example of who you are 
God, help us to be that kind of believer. Help us to be those kinds of Christians. Help us to be the kind of people who honor you and to honor other people, even when we don't agree with them. God, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.